Are you the son of God? I am. Well, good morning. I'm thankful I get to be here today. Is this not? There we go. I'm grateful I get to be here today. Um, I love being your pastor. I, you know, when I, when I, there's so many things that come to my mind when I think about um, how grateful I am to be here. I, I, um, I think about the serving the Lord with you. It's such a joy. You know, um, uh, one of the things I love most about being your pastor is seeing how many of you love to share the gospel. Um, this week, I just, many of you prayed for me in Cambodia. My body is still trying to adjust. I got back uh, yesterday afternoon, so I'm not sure what time it is, really. I mean, Robin told me it's time to come to church, so I came. And, um, but, um, you know, when I think about the Roarchs who are in Cambodia, that's who I went with, and they started a ministry there um, years ago, and, and, and our church gets to be a part of it. And, and when, you know, it's so fun. As a pastor, you come to a church, and, and many pastors that I know, they're trying to uh, um, move their church and help their church to share the gospel. But I've come here, and I feel like I'm just trying to keep up with our people that are sharing the gospel all over the world. I mean, when you think about what God's doing in our church, uh, yesterday, um, I got back from Cambodia. The Roarks come back on, th- on Tuesday. Um, a, a group of our students went to New York City uh, uh, yesterday, flew out uh, yesterday afternoon, and they're, they're going with the Saucedos who, who are, grew up in our church. They started a church in the Bronx, and, and the Saucedos are amazing because uh, one grew up at Calvary, one grew up here, and now God has brought our churches together. And a group of our teenagers are, are, are worshiping with them this morning in New York City. Then uh, this morning at 5.30, we showed up at church, um, and a group of our teenagers, three vans full, started headed to San Antonio to serve the Lord. And, and God is at work in our church. I mean, think about um, uh, right now the mission's under construction. And if you don't know about the mission, uh, goodness, you, you need to serve there. You need to know what's going on. We're going to finish that in a, a couple of months over on Garnett, and, and God is going to use us in the, uh, to continue to reach out to people right here in our community. And, and I love what God is doing. And then Calvary, the Calvary campus that we started, uh, that we've been in this a, a little over a year now, and, and, and we're, we're ministering in two locations today. And, and you know, some of you need to pray in this campus, from this campus, to go there and serve next year. And, and that needs to be where you go serve and worship and, and, and work alongside our folks at Calvary today. And I'm amazed at how God is at work in our, in our church, how God has called us to go all over the world as a church, from South America to Central America to um, all over the United States on mission trips. And, and then we, we, we go to Europe and, and Asia. And, and the Lord has called us to directly go, not just send money, but to go and serve. And, and I love serving the Lord and sharing the gospel in, in, at this time in the history of our world. And, 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 and you know, this week in Cambodia, I, I, am, I was so grateful to have gotten to go. And, and I want you to know that our church 
because of the Roark's vision and in their, their heart to start a ministry, do you know that God is allowing our church to connect with pastors that, that are going all over Cambodia? And, and that, that we were a part, we've been a part, many of our church members have gone to serve and we are a part of God moving through the country of Cambodia in Asia. I mean, God is at work in our church and through our church. And, and I'm so grateful. And why, why is this important? Why, why do we do these things? Why do we give of our money and our time and our, and our efforts? And, and, and why do we, we travel all over the world? And, and, and why have we gone on this? I mean, I've, I've been traveling for 28 hours, you know, as of yesterday at 3.30 when I flew back into Tulsa. And, 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 and you know, in fact, right now the Roarks are watching us. And, and they're about to go to bed in Cambodia. They've been up all day. I mean, we've been asleep. They've been up. And, uh, and so here, here's what I want us to do. It's so funny because Mike teach, has taught all these Cambodian kids how to say howdy. And, uh, and it was so funny because I walked in and they were like, okay, let's show them. And all these kids were like, howdy. And so, and so can, we do, can we say hi to the Roarks? Because they're, they're about to fly back. I don't, I, I don't even know what time. It's a it's 12-hour difference there. And, um, and so let's pick a camera. How about that camera right there? Let's look at the Roarks and just say a, a big howdy. You ready? One, two, three. Howdy. There we go. Thanks. That'll bless their life. Um, but, but why do we do those things? It's because the resurrection changed everything. I mean, hadn't it? I mean, the resurrection, is, the resurrection of Christ has changed everything for us. You know, when I was on the plane going to Cambodia, I met a guy named Steve. And I don't like him. Um, we, we, we stood on the plane. We were tired. I mean, we were stretching our legs. And, and, and he's not going to watch this, so I don't, I don't, I don't like the guy. We, we, we had a long talk in the, on the plane in Cambodia, and, and, and I, mean, I was ministering to him. I was trying to love on him. I was, trying to sh- I was sharing the gospel with him. And, um, and I'm not going to go into the whole gist of our conversation. I probably shouldn't say it. No, I, don't, I didn't like him. I'm sorry. I may be terrible. I'm a pastor. I, should lo- I, I love him. I just didn't like him. Um, but um, as, as we were talking, we were, we were really, I mean, we weren't like yelling or anything, but we disagreed. And we were having a good conversation, and I mean, we were listening to each other, and, and, uh, and he said, man, we, we really don't think alike, do we? I go, no, we, we, we really don't, man. We don't think alike. And, uh, and, and Steve, man, he was an interesting guy. He made a lot of money in the stock exchange in New York, and he's kind of this, he just kind of travels. He's kind of wandering. And, uh, and he was going to Cambodia. We were actually on the flight to Korea. And, and, um, and you know, he, he made a statement to me that, that uh, he said, you know, I, I respect Jesus. He was a good teacher. And I, and I said to Steve, I go, hey, man, you know, can, can I again respectfully disagree with you on that statement? Because Jesus couldn't be a good teacher. If, if, he, was, if he was who he said he was, Steve, Jesus, there's only three options for Jesus. And I borrowed this from C.S. Lewis. He said it first. But, but uh, I, say, I said, Steve, he's either a liar, he's a lunatic, or he's Lord. I go, Steve, I, I believe he wasn't just a good teacher. I believe he was God because he rose from the dead. Now, now, when you think about the resurrection, 
we got to remember that it was an historical event. It was an event that took place in time, in history. And this is what we know about the resurrection. Jesus, he died on the cross. He rose from the dead. That changed everything for us. You know, the, the resurrection was, it was, a, it was an abnormal event. When you think about the event of the resurrection, it, it was very abnormal. Why? Because, because Jesus was perfect. The, the, the crucifixion was something for a criminal, so, some, someone that had done something wrong. They were punished for their crime. But the resurrection was abnormal because it was an innocent man going to face punishment for a crime he didn't commit, for a crime that we committed. When you think about the, the, the resurrection, it was, it was historical, it was abnormal, but you know what else? It, it, was, it was also supernatural. I mean, on the cross, the crucifixion accomplished so much. And that's why in this series, we're, we're taking some time to look at what Jesus said from the cross. The, the, we're, we're turning the camera, the spotlight, if you will, on, on Jesus' words that he uttered when he was crucified. And over throughout the, the entire Easter season, Chad and, and Rob Lewis, they started this yes, last week. And, and, and I've loved this, this study and looking at what Jesus proclaimed from the cross. Now, um, you know, the, the, there, there's a lot of people that look at the different gospel accounts and they, and they say, see, the Bible doesn't agree because, you know, each one of these accounts, they give a different picture. But, but you know what, that, it makes so much sense that these, the gospel accounts are different because if all of us witnessed an accident out here on 96th Street and we all were interviewed afterwards, we would all, see, we all, we would all describe it a bit differently, wouldn't we? We'd always, we would all see it from, from a different lens. And so what we've been doing in this series is turning the lens on, on the, the, the camera, if you will, on, on the different gospel writers' accounts. Now, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 27, because we're going to look at Matthew's account here. And we're going to start in verse 45. So would you stand with me and let's look at, let's read 45 through 56 together. And let's look at Matthew's account here on the crucifixion. Verse 45 says, now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani. That is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge and filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, wait, let's see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and, and the rocks were split, and tombs were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, truly, this was the Son of God. There were also many women there looking on from a distance who had followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph and the mother of the sons 
of Zebedee. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. may be seated. Now, now, you know, as we look at these gospel accounts, let let me just say, uh, I I pray that we we allow God's word to move us to recognize the significance of this moment in history. The resurrection changed everything. And this is why we've got to communicate to the world who Jesus is and what he's done. And this is why we, we have no, no other option but to, but to motivate ourselves and, and go to the world and, and, and go to people that we know and, and, and take the gospel challenge that, that we've embraced as a church seriously, where, where we're going to share the gospel with as many people as our age. That's our challenge in, in 2018, that, that we as a church are, are challenging one another and, and pushing one another, another to share the gospel. And, and so I want to encourage you, Passion Week is coming. And, and, and Passion Week is like a layup, if I can borrow a basketball analogy. It's a layup in sharing the gospel. The, the, I want to encourage you, bring someone with you to Passion Week that, that, that you're praying for that needs to know the Lord. I mean, it's a great opportunity to say, come and see what my Savior has done. And it's coming up in just several weeks. And, and, and see, the the... the the gospel, has ch- it changed everything for the world, for, for you and for me. Now, um, as, we, as, as we pray for this, as we look at the scripture, look at verse 45. Now, from the sixth hour, Matthew records, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. So, so this is a, a crazy moment. Um, it's interesting that, that Matthew points out that all of a sudden this unusual event took place that dark, it just gets dark and historians and, and people have been looking at this going, was there an eclipse or, or was there something that was going on? They've tried to explain this naturally. And, and, and people said, no, there's no record of an eclipse during this time. And, and the reality is God just darkened the world. And it's not a problem for God to do this because he's God. And, and all of a sudden, Matthew records, wow, it gets dark. What's, what's interesting about this is, is a crucifixion was normal. If you were a Roman citizen, you saw people crucified all the time. They, they would, any, Rome was constantly invading armies and, and conquering lands. You know, if you've ever studied Western society and the development of Rome, that they were constantly uh, on battle campaigns. And so crucifixion was a normal, normal execution system in Rome. I mean, they would, they would line up their streets with crosses and people were crucified. So this is like Tuesday for people. I mean, this is a normal day for a Roman citizen. Now, for a Jew, it was Passover time, so they, they knew the significance of that, but Romans didn't care. And, um, and so this Matthew records, wait a minute, this is something different. Even the soldiers, they get to the point where they're like, wow, this is a different execution. This is not a normal event. All of a sudden, Jesus is on the cross, and it gets dark in the middle of the day. And everybody's like, whoa, 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 this is different. And it's interesting, look at verse 46, uh, about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it 
They said, this man is calling Elijah. Some of them at once ran out and took a sponge and filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. But others said, wait, let's see whether Elijah will come to save him. Isn't this interesting? What a strange statement for Jesus to make. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now what's interesting about this, these bystanders, even a, a lot of them were Jewish. And, and, and it's interesting, their reaction when, when he makes this statement, they're like, wait, 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 let's see if Elijah comes. What's interesting is they, they, they were expecting something to happen. Even the ones that put him on the cross were like, let's wait and see. Uh, and that, that's interesting to me because, you know, and it makes sense that they would expect Jesus to, to do something supernatural because they talked about Jesus. They knew that, that, that when he, uh, he, he was different, I mean, his disciples described his prayer life. I mean, Luke 11, 1, Jesus was with his disciples and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. I mean, the disciples saw in, in Jesus' prayer life, he had this connection with God. People that heard him teach would say about Jesus that, you know what, when he teaches, he has authority. He teaches different than the scribes and Pharisees. Yeah, Jesus was performing all these miracles, and, and, and his life was, was incredible. And people would say of him, man, you have to come from God because what you do. I mean, he fed 5,000 people with just a, a few fish and some pieces of bread. He, he would heal blind people. He would make, make lame people walk. He, he did all these miracles. So, so people were expecting, hey, maybe something is going to happen. All of a sudden, it gets dark. And they're like, wait a minute, what's going on? But let's, let's look at this strange statement for a second. Verse 46, look at this. Um, about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lima sabachthani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, this has intrigued me often through my life. This, this moment, I mean, think about this moment with the Son. I mean, Jesus was eternal, right? And in all through eternity, he has had this unity with the Father. This moment is so significant. This is, this is the, the only moment in all eternity that Jesus was forsaken by the Father. He had never... I mean, I mean, think about this. He, it's, it's difficult for us to grasp eternity because we have these finite minds. And, and this is the, the only moment in all eternity when Jesus was separated from his father. He felt it. I mean, I mean let me tell you something. If, if God separated himself from humanity, we would feel it. We, we, even this guy that was so offensive to me, Steve, he offended me. Um, I, I kept thinking about how offensive I've been to God in my life. I'm just like him. And, and this is a moment. And I think about Jesus all through eternity. There, there was 
there, there was never a moment that he wasn't in harmony with the Father until right here. There, there was never a moment he had been out of his will and, and he wasn't out of his will here, but think about the, the, the relationship that was separated in this moment. There, there was never a moment Jesus, the Son, had ever known out of the conscious presence of God. And then on the cross, Jesus makes this claim. The moment the Father turned his back on him, and he cried out with a loud voice, um, God, you have forsaken me. L let me tell you, the, the pain, the physical pain that Jesus went through on the cross was excruciating. But I don't want you to miss the devastation of the spiritual pain that Jesus went through on the cross. Remember when he was in the garden? Uh, in right, just hours before, Matthew records this. Jesus was in the garden. And what, is, what does it say about him? He was in so, Luke records, he was in so much anguish, he was sweating drops of blood. What was it because he was worried about the, the nails in his hand or the, well, that was difficult, but can I tell you that Jesus knew this was the moment that he was going to become sin. Now think about holy God becoming sin. This was the moment that the, the holy creator, the, the, Jesus made the hill that he died on. And yet this was the moment that the father forsook him. And he knew he was going to do this. This was holy God becoming sin for you and for me. This is a huge moment in, in humanity. And, and you've got to recognize God is holy. Now, we don't understand that. On this, none of us in this room, I can't even, I don't understand that. I don't understand holiness. I know that, that the holiness of God is significant because in Exodus 33, remember when Moses was, was about to receive the Ten Commandments and he said, God, can, can, you, can I come into your presence? And what, did, what does God say? No, you can't. He says in Exodus 33, if, if, if I show up, you will die. Do you know if God physically showed up in this room, we would die because of his holiness, because of his glory? We would physically die. We could not make it. So what did God do? He took Moses, he hid him under a rock, and he passed by him. And the Bible says when Moses left, went down the hill, that his face was literally glowing, freaked everybody out. Because the presence of God was, was that close to him. And let me tell you, when we die and we stand before the Lord, we will see holiness for the first time. And that's when we will understand that none of us are worthy. None of us are good enough. We will recognize that, God, you are perfect and you became sin for us. Folks, this is huge, a huge statement that Jesus made. Father, you have forsaken me. And, and let me, 
remind us. And I'm amazed at the people that I meet that, that live their lives. As I, as I went to, through the, the, the Khmer Rouge Museum this week of, of these atrocities that were performed and millions of people were killed just senselessly and, and, and because mankind is evil. And, 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 I, and I said as I was standing there in the Khmer Rouge um, cells. As the, 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 I said, you know, it's amazing to me that, that people live their life and they don't realize they're going to stand before God one day. And you know that every one of us will. And we're going to be in the presence of holiness. And we're going to grasp the significance of this moment. And we're going to be overwhelmed with gratitude that Jesus, you took my sin Upon yourself, you were my substitute. Now, I wish I could fully grasp all of this. But when, when you think of this proclamation, I think it tells us some important things. And I hope you write these down in your notes. Christ forsaken, in this moment, it turns the spotlight on the awfulness of sin. I want you to know this sin is awful. Your sin, my sin is awful. 1 Peter 2, 24 says this, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. Don't miss that. He himself, Jesus himself, bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness for by his wounds we have been healed. I've been healed by his wounds. This moment that Jesus said he, he was forsaken by the Father in the first time in, in eternity, it was because my sin is awful. And, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm overwhelmed today because sometimes my, I do this. I, I think my sin's not that big a deal. I think oh, I'm better than those people. I'm better than that guy. Folks, our sin is awful. And may we, may we never accept, and we, may we never forget the awfulness of our sin. I mean, we know what the Bible says. Sin, sin separates us from God, right? Sin, sin keeps us out of fellowship with God. It, it separates us from him. Uh, the wages of sin is, is spiritual death, right? I mean, we know this, that, 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 that there's a worse kind of death than physical death. I mean, uh, there, there is, and it's this spiritual death. Can you imagine st standing before the holiness of God and, and seeing his glory and, and experiencing him and then being separated from him for eternity? I can't imagine a worse hell than that. Spiritual death is exactly what will happen to those who reject Christ. And this is why we have a sense of urgency that, that the sin is awful. And people that are, that are left in a, a sinful condition, a rebellious condition, that that is, that is the, the worst place they could be. Sin is awful. And Christ's forsaken point just shines the spotlight on the awfulness of sin. Second thing, and this is, I want us to hear this, Christ forsaken warns of the destruction of hope for unbelievers. 
I mean, think about this. God turned from his own son. God the Father turned his back on the son because of sin. Now, this is a warning of the destructiveness, the destruction of hope for unbelievers. You know, John 3, 36 says this, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. The fact that Christ was forsaken on the cross, this warns if you're here today, you're an unbeliever, you're rejecting Christ, I, I, I want you to know there will be a day your hope will be completely destroyed. That if you die without Christ, you have no hope. If you um, rebel against the voice of God, you have no hope. If you reject the Savior, you have no hope. And we live in a world that's like, oh, Chris, that sounds so mean. No, sin is awful. And our sinfulness is awful. It's destructive. And, and right now, we are in this day of grace where, where the, 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 there's a gift that can be received. Do you, do you see him? Is the Holy Spirit drawing you? And I, 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 I'm not going to be one of those preachers that just says, oh, you're okay. Oh, it's okay. It's not okay. And we ought to live like it's not okay. And it burdens my heart that, that, that so many Christians in America who have been given so much are just are, are lulled to sleep. And we're just so comfortable. And golly, I, I'm so grateful I get to be a part of a church that's not comfortable. That, 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 that does steps out in faith and says, hey, we don't know how this thing is going to work out in Calvary, but let's try we're going to go to Cambodia and start a ministry that the Roarks, you know, so glad we're, in, we're, we're investing in that as a church. You know, it, it took us a while. I'm glad we're investing in that. I'm so glad we're, I'm, we're sending our kids on mission trips. Man, if people don't know Jesus, they have no hope. Because God is holy and just, God must judge sin wherever it is found. And he does. If, if God did not spare Jesus when he willingly took, on, took sin on himself, what possible hope is there for those who reject Christ? I mean, think about that. Jesus did not forsake, God did not forsake his own son. He was forsaken. You know, today is a day of grace but hear this, one day that door will close. This is a day of grace. That door will close one day. And you know what? Until that happens, I pray that we are a church that is, that is sharing the gospel everywhere we go. And I pray that. Christ forsaken warns of the destruction of hope for, believe, for unbelievers. Third thing, Christ forsaken reveals the complete holiness of God. It shows that God is holy. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For God, 
For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, at the cross, humanity displayed his his depravity. And and, and we live in this world that's ridiculous because there's people that that are strong voices in the world that think, oh, mankind is good, that we are good, we are inherently good. All you have to do is read your history books uh, or your newspaper, and you realize very quickly man is not good. We are not good. We, we, are, we need a Savior. We need to be rescued. Everywhere I look, I see the depravity of man. And at the cross, humanity, humanity displayed depravity because an innocent man died. God gave himself on the cross. Jesus was forsaken at the cross. You know what Satan does? He demonstrated his hostility. It is so hostile. It is so brutal. And and it it is Satan demonstrating his hostility to the world. As I walked through Buddhist temples this week and looked at these things, these stories will come out eventually. Man, Satan is like a lion seeking to devour, someone to devour. He's good at it. And you know, um, God is holy. At the cross, the Lord Jesus took the place of the unjust. Who's the unjust? It's me. It's you. We are the ones. We're the ones that are unjust. Jesus took our place. At the cross, what does God do? He accomplished a supernatural work. Something supernatural took place. Not something natural, something supernatural. We see, as Matthew goes and describes, as Jesus cried again with a loud voice in verse 50 and yielded up his spirit, and behold, in that second, the curtain was ripped from top to bottom in the temple, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split, and there's so much significance to that, the temple curtain being ripped, God making a statement to the world that you have access to the Father, Father, because the Son went to the cross and was forsaken. The, the, the creation cried out. It couldn't stay silent, and, and rocks were split open, and, and it's just crazy as, as the tombs were also open, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of tombs. After the resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Would that freak you out if you went to some funerals, and then they showed up at your door going, what's up? Dude, what is going on? I mean, these are crazy moments. These are supernatural moments taking place. When the centurion, these guys had, been, had seen crucifixion after crucifixion. This was a normal day at the office for them. This was just, I mean, they, they've done this countless times. And all of a sudden, they look and, and look at all these things going on. And these men that were pagan, that were rebellious, that, that had no opportunity to know better, Make the, make the greatest claim. Make the, the truest statement when he said, surely this was the Son of God. Folks, Christ was forsaken for you 
and for me. And may we never get over that. I, I, I pray we never get over that. I pray that that moves us to, 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 to go and to speak up. And, to, and, and this is why we must not be silent about our, our faith, our Savior. Christ was forsaken for you and for me. Are you walking with him today? Do you hear him today? Do you see him today? We're going to have an invitation. And and if you're here today and you don't know Christ, man, do not stay where you're seated. Come come and talk to one of us. Let us us take God's word and show you how you can become a a follower of, of Christ. Surrendered to his voice. Are you casual in your faith right now? How can we be casual? How can we just go through the motions when Jesus was forsaken for us? Maybe you need to grab somebody and say, would you come pray with me? I gotta get right with the Lord. Let's, let's, let's allow God to move us today. Would you stand where you are?